same China, different stories. We are the ones that found their way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. From China podcast. I'm Tara, and I'm on another episode with somebody I met. I don't know, like two months ago for the first time in person. So it's kind of fun to like meet people in person and be like, "Let's do this podcast thing." And it just so happens, as a result of meeting you in person, I also have met your your pup named Cam. Yes, he loves you. <laughs> oh, he's so cute. So I'm speaking with. Alex, who is also in New York City, Lower Lower East Side. Yes, that's Lower East Side. Yeah. And it was funny because since I did watch Cam while you were on vacation, I was like taking in your home and I was like, (laughs) what does Alex do? It's like, you know what? This is the perfect opportunity to be like, I should ask Alex to be on the podcast because you're also a Chinese adoptee. So it works out. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. Should Should I introduce myself? Yes. Tell me about yourself and what you'd like to share about your adoption, please. Cool. So I'm Alex. I'm 26 years old. I was born in Hefei on my province and I was adopted uh, when I was nine months old. Let's see. So based on the limited information that I know about like my backstory, apparently I was found around like newborn age at a police station in a in kind of a rural village outside of Hefei and I was at uh, Hefei uh, welfare center mm-hmm. for a short amount of time but and this ended up kind of working out well for me at the time I think they were renovating the orphanage so I was actually transferred to a foster family so for the majority of my like infanthood, I guess up until I was nine months old, I was with the foster family, which meant I got a little bit more like one-on-one attention. So I wasn't, you know, lying on my back all day in a room full of like other kids. Um, so yeah, and my parents, they met kind of later on in life. They were like in their forties. They had both been married before and neither of them had children and a co-worker of my dad's had adopted a kid from China and uh told my dad about it and uh my parents quickly realized that like this was something that they really wanted to do and uh back then the process was like really quick I think mm-hmm. they told me the entire thing from like application to actually going to get me took like six months which is kind Mm. of crazy but yeah they went through Spence Chapin which is what my dad's co-worker did and they traveled with a group of other parents who were also going through Spence Chapin Mm. um the majority of them were actually adopting from uh, an orphanage in Wuhan I think I'm not I'm not entirely sure if that's the right location but uh I was one of the few kids in my like quote unquote adoption group that was from Hefei. Um, mm. My parents traveled with the group of them, and uh, yeah, they got me when I was nine months old. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting that like the orphanage was being renovated or something. I guess when you were found, so is it like they brought you to the orphanage just like just kidding it's being renovated or I guess it's based on what the papers and stuff say right or what your parents were told yeah I think this is just like what my parents were told um yeah yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure about the specifics uh but it ended up being good for me to to be in a foster family oh wow I don't know why I didn't think that like foster families were a thing for like Chinese adoptees I just assumed we were all like putting these like orphanages and crowded together but right yeah um, wow that's really that's cool and then Spence Chapin are they New York City based like are they based in New York um I think so 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So did you grow up in New York as well or? Yeah. So my parents were already living in New York City when they decided to adopt me. So yeah, I've grown up. I've lived in New York City since I was was nine months old. So I feel like I can say, (laughs) I feel like I can say I was born and raised in New York. Yeah. Even though technically, technically I wasn't born here, but... (laughs) Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Technically. Yeah, no, I feel like I, I just end up saying, yeah, born and raised in Maryland or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, I wonder if, I just assume, because the only other other adoptee that I've met who was adopted, well, there's probably a couple, but the one I can think of is like Sydney. I forget her last name, but Sydney I talked with. It's just like, yeah, I was adopted through Spring Shaping, grew up in like Brooklyn. I was like, whoa, okay. I'm just like assuming, do you guys know each other? You're the same age. <laughs> you might not. Yeah. It's not that small. I don't know if it's that small a world or not. Not like we all know each other. Although sometimes going to these like events, I do sometimes see like a crossover of like people who went to some events in this one place and then another events in another organization. And so I just assume that like nobody knows each other unless they all go to these events. How often do you do you like end up going to like adoptee meetups? I feel like I've been going like once every other month, maybe. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's like the global adoptee meetup was in April where I met like you and a lot of Chinese adoptees that I actually like did not meet before. Cause when I got to New York city, there's a group called also known as, which is international adoptee organization founded by a Korean adoptee. So a good portion of, participants are Korean adoptees so then I just started to connect with all these like Korean adoptees and then I think the global Asian adoptee meetup was the first time that I was like oh my gosh all these Chinese adoptees that I haven't met before in New York City and it was there where I was like Annabelle mm-hmm. came to the also known as picnic that they had this past weekend and then I just met somebody else there that I had met through like subtle Asian adoptee traits in New York City okay and I was like hey, do you know all these people? And she's like, yeah, I actually went to high school with the person you're trying to introduce me to who's also a Chinese adoptee. I was like, oh, so it's, it was funny. Her name's Laura, but I was like, Laura, have you met this person? She's like, yeah, I went to school with them. I was like, how about this person? It's like, yeah, I met them at another event just recently. I was like, okay, so do you guys all actually know each other? Like, do all the adoptees in New York City just kind of know each other? Because <laughs> did you grow up going to like adoptee events and stuff or not really? Not really. So I was going to say, yeah, the the meetup that we met at was Mm -hmm. like the second one I'd ever been to. Oh. Like in my entire life. There was one, there was one that I went to, I think when I was still in college, but I didn't really like keep in touch with anyone that I met there. And I mean, growing up, um, like the group of parents and kids that my parents traveled with to get us in China, we kept in touch over the years and we would have reunions twice a year. Yeah. Um, So that was kind of my main way of like staying in touch Mm -hmm. or like connecting, I guess, with my like adoption story. Um, But we kind of stopped doing that after we all went to college because we were in different parts of the country and it was just like, it was too complicated logistically to do that. But I'm definitely I'm glad that we that we did those reunions when I was a kid, even though like some of us like grumbled about it. (laughs) I think it was good for us. Yeah, I think that's that seems like a very common sentiment. Like we didn't like love this when we were kids, but we appreciate it now. And then we're also as we're all getting into our later 20s to it's like, oh, now we're like our own independent adults and if we want to meet up I guess we could but it's just like work or depending where you are geographically like why yeah why should we meet how do we meet this is like been becoming more of a common conversation it seems as I've been talking to like adoptees in general like even Korean adoptees it's like you guys are now you Chinese adoptees who collectively they say not yeah they say you collectively as Chinese adoptees are now entering like the, you're like the trailblazers now for your own journeys because as Korean adoptees they already went through that the most of them are like in their 50s or mm-hmm. 40s or 50s and getting up there getting up there as I'm like older yeah and, yeah 
now we are part of like the ones the Chinese adoptees who are like, yeah, so our identity and connecting and being curious and asking questions because we want to know it ourselves, not because like our families want us to explore it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't realize you were also a New York City native as well. Did you live in all the boroughs or just just Manhattan or Brooklyn? I've only ever lived in Manhattan. Um, I grew up on East 57th Street, so like Midtown area. Um, Whoa. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was Midtown. It's like not the like trendiest neighborhood or anything like that, mm-hmm. but you know, it was nice. It, it was like pretty low key. Yeah. Um, and then after I graduated college and moved out, I was living on East 43rd Street, um, which is like kind of an even more random neighborhood. I was living like right across the street from the UN. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was in like a, a pretty small studio there. And, you know, during the pandemic, when I was working from home, I was like, okay, I need a little bit more space if I'm going to be here, if I'm going to be yeah. spending a lot of time at home. So I've always really liked the Lower East Side. And I also, you know, like wanted to be closer to Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lower East Side was, was the move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first time I really ever been in Lower East Side. So you did high school in New York City. Did you do college also in New York or did you go out of state and come back? I went, so I went to college in like the opposite of New York City. I went to Bennington College in Vermont, in Bennington, Vermont, which is like a super small town. That's about like a 45 minute drive from Massachusetts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was, I'm I'm glad in retrospect that I didn't go to school in the city. I Mm -hmm. think it was good for me to get like that kind of like rural experience yeah yeah I mean I was out there I didn't know how to drive (laughs) like I didn't have a car because I grew up in New York City and yeah yeah, it was kind of just it was a really really small school Mm -hmm. so everything from the housing to like the social scene everything was like very much centered on campus like no one really lived off campus it was it was an interesting experience. It was a little bit like like summer camp. Okay, for four, like four years, right? It was just yeah. Four years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's pretty. I feel like I did the same thing. It's like go away from my metropolitan area to like a small town school. Where did you go? I went to a school in Ohio called Ohio University, and it was like okay. in Appalachia, like very small, own town as well. The nearest. The nearest Chick-fil-A was like 45 minutes away. That's yeah. My ref- that's my reference point. Yeah. For us, we didn't get a Starbucks in the town until like my junior year. So we would Whoa. always say like, we would always be like, yeah, the closest Starbucks is in Albany, which is like also 45 oh. minutes away. But was there like the three coffee shops or something that you could go to essentially? It's like, okay, these are the three local ones. Yeah, there there are a few local places. Um, oh yeah. But um, yeah, it was it was a really it was a really small town. It was cute though. It was it was pretty quaint. <laughs> wow. And did you study? I was like, how to segue into like? So are you like in fashion? That's what I've been meeting. Like, <laughs> are you in fashion? Like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am. Specifically, I'm in fashion journalism. Um, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Also, so I didn't realize when I was away that I was going to be getting so many packages. So I really appreciate you. <laughs> it's funny. I was like, I think, I think the there's one that arrived right before you got back, which is like it was a courier. And like yeah. on the note was like, I forget what company it was. And I'm just looking at it. I was like, I feel like that name looks familiar. So I like Googled it. I was like, what is, what does Alex do? <laughs> because <I'm> like, <laughs> oh, and then I think you had a card from somebody from like another big like fashion company. I was like, well, still don't know what she does. <laughs> yeah. So I've kind of always been interested in fashion. Like when I was little, I would do this thing where I would take like printer paper and make my own like fashion magazines. So I would like draw mm. all the like quote unquote models in mm-hmm. different outfits. And I would like write the headlines on like the tight on the cover of the magazine. Um, and I would put, put them together, color them in with marker. 
Um, so I've always been interested in clothing and fashion. When I was in college, I thought that I wanted to be a stylist. Um, so I did, I did, you know, I did the interning thing, like interning for stylists. And I kind of like quickly realized that that was just not for me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like pivoted and decided to go like the journalism route. I've also, I mean, in addition to fashion, I've also always been really into writing. Um, I, I've always felt like throughout my entire life that I like express myself better in writing versus like verbally. So, and like when I was in high school, I did a journalism program at Northwestern over the summer, but I didn't, you know, I didn't formally study journalism in college or anything like that. Like I took writing classes, but you know, I, I didn't, I don't have a journalism degree. Oh, nice. So uh, I kind of started out, I, I did some internships at like fashion websites, um, you know, in the editorial department. Mm-hmm. And I guess my first like, quote unquote, like real job out of college was at Depop, which is like the secondhand um, like slash vintage shopping app. And that that was actually I was more on like the marketing side of things. And after that, I uh, I went on to work at Hype Bay, which is like the women's focus, like vertical of Hype Beast, uh, the streetwear website. Um, so I was an editor there for like almost two years, and then I guess seven months ago, I uh, got a job at High Snobiety, which is another like fashion slash like streetwear website. And I've been a writer there now for almost a year. That totally makes sense now. Yeah, because even all your books and stuff are like very fashion focused. Like, yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, and it's like you got a nice aesthetic too. It's like, all right, only people who like care about aesthetics and like style would have a place that looks as cute so oh thank you <laughs> wow that's really cool okay so that's i i always like to i mean sometimes i'm just curious it's like how did you end up in that role but it sounds like what you got you just got your degree and then you're like okay but i'm just gonna like figure out and go the path that i want to do to like write or do what i want to do because uh, i think there's like a pressure sometimes for us to like for people or our parents put on us like you have to get a degree and then get a job related to your degree and then yeah you never know (laughs) right yeah I mean I was lucky though because I started I started interning like pretty pretty early on in college like my freshman year of college I started doing Mm -hmm. internships some in styling and then some more in like what I'm currently doing and writing so I think that definitely like helped me helped me along the way yeah the like getting that experience too yeah did you, so is your degree related to fashion at all or is it just like a? No, I have a, a Bachelor of Arts. <laughs> Bachelor of Arts, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So Bennington, there are, there are no majors or minors at Bennington. It was a very like liberal, oh. progressive school. So there are no majors or minors. There are no grades. You kind of, you got to build your own. They called it a plan. So mm-hmm. that was basically just like your your like path of study and it could really be anything you wanted so I did I did like a mix of a lot of different things I I took like costume design classes I took fashion history classes I also took like a few writing courses I took French and I actually ended up writing my thesis in French um so yeah it was it was like definitely more of like an unconventional like school experience yeah well I also wonder in addition to were you well, I guess it's kind of transitions into like like your like not just your adoption but like also like the whole being like Chinese aspect of your life mm-hmm. was that well I guess because like growing up in New York City you're, you are like surrounded by all kinds of people and I guess Chinese people are part of it but like at your at your school was there a lot of Asian people or not really um so I went to public school up until high school oh so when when I was in public school it was definitely really diverse like my elementary school especially I remember it being like being super super multicultural like the majority of my friends in elementary school like were not white 
Um, mm-hmm. And then I ended up going to a private school for high school. And that was very, that was kind of the opposite. Uh, it was like, my, I mean, my, granted, like my graduating class in high school was super small. It was about 70 people. Mm-hmm. But I think in my grade, there are only three Asian people. Whoa. So yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was not diverse. Um, mm. And I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't, I didn't have a great time in high school. Mm. It was kind of difficult for me to connect to a lot of the people in my grade. Mm-hmm. I think also because a lot of them had grown up going to private school and I think right. that's just like a very, it's just like a radically different experience. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's like you were exposed to that kind of early on and then so going to like a small town college, it's like, all right, it's probably not as small as like your high school experience, but still it's like a, I mean, my, (laughs) yeah, I mean, my, my college too, the college was pretty small. My class there was, I think, 120 people, Mm. but again, much like my high school, it was super undiverse. Um, I definitely had a better, much better time socially in college, but that being said, I think there were like, off the top of my head, I can only think of two other uh, girls in my grade who were also Asian. Did that like influence at all or affect your like, all right, connecting more to like the Chinese culture side too? Well, like I think the adopted thing, I'm sure, sure you were, I, I assume, but it's like, I'm sure you knew you were adopted pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. parents, obviously, I mean, my parents are white and they never, you know, they never tried to yeah. hide that from me. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think, middle school is like really when I started becoming more aware of like my Chinese identity Mm -hmm. I think because I found myself in this like awkward middle space where I wasn't Chinese enough to hang out with the other Chinese kids in my grade because they would all speak Mandarin to each other and like I couldn't do that Mm -hmm. but I wasn't you know like white enough to be part of the like cool kids click Mm, yeah so that was like I think that was my introduction and then you know in high school also I was kind of an an outlier because I wasn't white Mm -hmm. um and I was constantly like trying to fit in with the other white kids um which was kind of a struggle I mean I it's it's kind of sad. I was like looking at my high school yearbook a couple months ago mm-hmm. and I was like looking at like the signatures and the notes in my yearbook. And yeah. so many people, they started like their note to me by spelling my name with an R instead of an L. So like Arix. Oh. So, you know, the racist like yeah. caricature that like Chinese people or Asian people, they can't pronounce their L's. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't even remember like people calling me that yeah. in high school. But then I, I looked at the yearbook and I was like kind of taken aback. Yeah. Um, so obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, boy. That's that's worse than I thought you were just say, I thought you were going to say like, oh, yeah, they started to like greet or like they started their note with like the other Asian person in your in your class like oh no (laughs) no I feel like that's actually worse that they just made your name sound completely wrong in like the racist way uh, yeah no yeah I mean I definitely I definitely struggled a lot in high school with my identity like I remember really wanting to get a nose job because I wanted you know, I wanted the, you know, like high bridge European nose. Yeah. Um, I mean, thankfully, I, <laughs> thankfully I've gotten over that. But no, it, it, like in all seriousness, it, it definitely like took me years to kind of like realize where that was coming from. It was because I wanted to like be more white. And yeah, I'm in a much better place about it now. But yeah, I mean, it, it was tough for sure. 
Oh yeah, that's a. I feel like it's always huge when people do decide to like go to these events and stuff where it's like all these adoptees of different backgrounds. I mean, primarily East Asian, I want to say. So it's like I think it's always like fascinating to hear the stories of people. It's like, yeah, this is like the second time I've ever met other adoptees, and then. I come from a background where I didn't meet a bunch of adoptees until I moved to New York City, which was like two years ago. Like I didn't go to any mm-hmm. events really like growing up that much. I might have went to like one in the DC area. And then when I moved here in 2020, is like when I started to like go on the Zoom things and like go to things as uh, you could go outside and meet. So it's like, oh, yeah. And now it's like, oh, and people just think I've been a part of these things for a while. So I was like, I guess that's what happens when you just decide to like jump and try something. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, because I, I do think there's those like mean people still exist, of course, considering what's what's happened in the past two years as well. Mm-hmm. well forever. It's, it hasn't really stopped. It's just yeah. more accessible to see the stories. Because you grew up in New York City, it's like, oh, you must have been exposed to the adoptee community, but it's not always the case. I think you might be like this first person I've really talked to who grew up in New York City, and it's like, no, I didn't really like go to all these events. You did, you went to reunions with the others, but yeah, um, yeah, these events and stuff. I think some people, because it's like my good friend Katie, who I met through Facebook and everything, and we, she might be the only adoptee I really had talked to. We both were talking about like talking, meeting people at that picnic on Saturday. Uh, some people were taken aback. It's like, oh, you guys like didn't have, you felt like isolated. You didn't really have people to talk to about your adoption. When like some people came to this picnic with their friends, like their adopted friends. It's like, yeah, I've known this person since like I was a kid or I've known this person since like middle school. We grew up together, like adoption has always been a conversation topic. And I was like, what? So it's like Katie and I were both, I guess, connecting that. There are a lot of us who, I guess, didn't really get connected to others at such a young age and, like, grow together. Yeah, I mean, when I was when I was in, like, elementary school, one of my best friends was also adopted. Um, mm. But she ended up moving away uh, when I was in, like, first grade. So, oh, yeah. unfortunately, yeah, she was, like, you know, the the main, you know, other person in my life that I could connect to on that level. But then she ended up, you know, moving across the country, which was like really sad for me when I was little. Uh, yeah. That is... have, have you been able to reconnect with this person all these years later or? Um, we like follow, we, I've reconnected with her on social media. So we follow each other okay. like on Instagram and, and stuff like that. But I haven't actually seen her in person, I think, since I was in middle school. Oh yeah, so it's been it's been like over ten years, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, it's always like pretty crazy the the way social media has allowed us to like connect with other people from years previously. Um, yeah, I mean it's nice too because like all all of us from our like adoption group um, reunion group we all mm-hmm. you know stay connected like on facebook and instagram uh yeah and i definitely i'm glad that that we can like stay connected in that way yeah well i guess have you been to paris because you French background then yeah yeah so I've I did a like a summer language program there uh my I guess summer going into my sophomore year and then I studied abroad for one semester in London so while I was there I traveled to Paris for a little bit um so yeah I guess like as a like adult I've been there yeah twice Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was like, wait, you speak French. You, you yeah. went to Paris, right? Well, I guess you maybe went to other parts of France as well. Because France is a bigger country than just Paris. <laughs> um, when I was really little, I went to, um, I'm blanking on the name of the area, but it was somewhere like more in the countryside. But yeah, that was when I was really young. I don't remember it. 
Yeah, so you probably won't speak it French yet, but <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Um, that seems very much like the uh, stereotypical like fashion background. It's like, yep, French, knowledge of French. Yeah, yeah. Do you use it today at all, or do you use your French? I am ashamed to say that I, that I don't. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I've hardly practiced it, honestly, since I graduated college, and. I've been like wanting to kind of get back into it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's difficult, you know, like having a full-time job, it's like, oh yeah, when do I have the time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point too. Cause I'm sure you, your hours are probably quite all over the place. I'm sure. It's like in terms of hours, like luckily on like the writing side, it's not, it's, it's not as like super super crazy but there you know there are like definitely like events that I'll have to go to like Mm, at night or whatever um but yeah yeah that makes sense I I vote I think my impression of fashion has been like it's always at night like during the week (laughs) and you're like late (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm like well my perception of New York City and basically what you're saying was like was it like Gossip Girl at all without without the all the crazy drama but just like the whole private school experience <laughs> and then like fashion is like is it like that at all is there any truth to this show I mean my my high school experience was not like Gossip Girl <laughs> it was not glamorous whatsoever mm. um I don't know. I can't speak to other people at different private schools, but yeah, no, I definitely wasn't like that for me. In that show, which was, I guess, early 2000s, they were like, Brooklyn wasn't cool, but now, like, oh my God, yeah. Later, it's obviously very cool and hip now, so. Yeah, I mean, I remember, like, that show came out when I was in middle school, mm-hmm. and I remember, like, I, I remember, like, kids at my school, like, making fun of kids who lived in Brooklyn because it was like cast as this like totally undesirable place to live on Gossip Girl and obviously like now it's like one of the most expensive places you could live in the entire city yeah oh yeah well even in that show too it's like they had a flat or like a loft a loft yeah in like Dumbo's yeah (laughs) I mean I love I love that show though yeah Oh, yeah. I enjoyed it, too. They, of course, speaking of podcasting, there's a rewatch podcast of that show on right now. Oh, yeah. Hosted by, uh, what's her name? Uh, the one, the woman who plays the uh, Vanessa. The woman who plays Vanessa. I just oh, her name right now. Jessica Shore? Yes, yes. She hosts a podcast that is like XOXO Gossip Girl, and it's a rewatch one, and they have guess like some of the actors some of the writers producers it comes out i think every wednesday i have so. to i definitely have to listen to that oh yeah it's a very nice guilty pleasure just to like hear the behind the scenes stuff i think the pandemic i mean many podcasts grew including this one you know like we're born but a lot of rewatch podcasts also just i hear an ad for one for like a new one almost every week now so it's like you got the gossip girl one you've got the new girl, you've got Avatar Last Airbender. Those are the ones I listen to personally, but I know there's one for like the OC. I think there's one for 90210. So it's just, they're all out there. That's interesting. I need to like branch out in terms of like the podcasts I listen to. I feel like I have like a few that I just like kind of stick with. Um, Ooh. Are they all very serious? Are they funny? Do you, do you, they're do you... definitely not all of them are serious. I really like. Um, have you heard of Ologies? Mm-mm. So it's uh, this amazing podcast where the host, her name is Allie Ward. She dives into like an obscure like uh, field of study each week and she speaks to an expert from that field. So like Ooh. I'm trying to think off the top of my head some of the weird ones. There was like, here, let me, I'm going to go to the Spotify page and give you some examples because okay. I'm not going to do it justice. Right, because there are definitely, uh, yeah, that makes sense, the name Ologies, but there's definitely some names of. So, 
Yeah, so there's like somnology, so the study of sleep, um, conotoxinology, which is a study of cone snail venom, classical archaeology, uh, environmental microbiology, which is the field of testing wastewater for diseases. So yeah, it's a lot of just like really fascinating kind of obscure subjects and kind of she goes she does like a deep dive into them each week um so I love that one I also am really into beauty podcasts um because mm. in addition to fashion I, I write a lot about beauty so like you know skincare makeup all that stuff mm-hmm. um so there's a podcast called fat mascara that I really like um and there's a perfume focused podcast called Perfume Room that I also love. But yeah, those are like my three main ones, I feel like. Okay. They're all two of them are very related to what you're passionate about. And then the other one's just like very interesting. I think that's helpful for trivia. Just <laughs> random facts like this. Yeah, this yeah. Okay. I might expand and like add one of those just to learn something. What was the beauty one? Beauty. Um, the first one was fat mascara. Okay, I think that one might be helpful for me to actually listen to and learn about some stuff for like your skincare. Regimen. Also, if you have any skincare questions, feel free to ask me because I am obsessed with skincare. <laughs> uh, yeah, I gathered that too. Actually, you probably like, saw my my bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I was. Just, I think I was like looking for somewhere to put floss, just like my own little floss, and just like, uh, like opened your medicine. But time. yeah, like, wow, okay, <laughs> yeah, I and I got sent a ton of products, so I just have like, yes, a, I think that's what most of your packages were. Yeah, like, they they were just, okay. <laughs> I was like, huh? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, that makes sense. I, was, I totally got sidetracked. I was going to originally ask before the Paris question, but have you been back to China at all? Do you want to go back to where you're adopted from? Yeah. So I went back with my parents when I was in like fourth grade. So I was pretty young and I don't really remember all of it. Unfortunately, I kind of wish, I kind of wish I had gone back when I was older just so I could have appreciated it a little more, but you know, I can always plan something for the future, but yeah, so we stayed in Shanghai for about a week, um, and then we took kind of like a, I think like a three or four day trip to Cafe to visit uh, the orphanage that I was at shortly. Well, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So we visited the orphanage and uh, the former director of the orphanage and like assistant director met us there and you know it was it's kind of amazing that they remembered me but we met with them and we kind of took a tour of the facility um that is cool that they like remembered you and then oh because I guess they have all your papers too yeah I think your parents would have your papers but they have like a copy of them or Mm -hmm. something like that I think the orphanage is most of them should have a copy of your paperwork I want to say some of them I get I've been told like they don't keep good records so yeah I think yeah nine is a very young age to I don't I mean like I barely remember two years ago so (laughs) yeah nine's a nine is a young age to go back but it's nice that your parents were like let's I guess we'll take you back and um, do you think you would want to go on your own in the future not necessarily just there, but like other parts of China at all. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I I would definitely want to go back to China at some point in the future. Um, I don't know exactly where I'd want to go. Um, I definitely need to do my research on that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to go back to China, and you know, I want to travel more around Asia in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, sounds like you've been able to see some parts of the world. Oh, study abroad, of course. It's like, yeah, that's seeing another part of the world. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I learned a lot about you. Like, all these questions I just had, I was like, huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's why I like this. I like this 
avenue to be able to like, okay, so I met you. I joke that's like, I think I learn more about people through their dogs and pets if they have them than like the person themselves. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I definitely learned a lot about Cam and his habits and like what he wants and what he do. Yeah, I think I was texting you. It was like, so is it cool that Cam is like climbing under the blankets and sleeping there? And you're like, yeah, <laughs> he does it all the time. I was like, okay, just wanted to make sure like that was cool. Yeah, no, he he's a very cuddly dog. He, mm-hmm. like you probably witnessed, he's like nervous around other dogs, but with humans, yeah. he's like very, very trusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like after the first couple hours, he was okay after that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's good as pets like see me repeatedly, they get less like anxious. So like I noticed even today, he wasn't like, right. Like, okay, okay, hi, okay, I'm gonna like just go back to my spot and see ya. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad I like reached out to you. Uh, yeah I was telling trip. people that yes yeah. I was telling people that I was like yeah so somebody I met at this event like remembered that I talked about being a pet sitter and she actually like asked me for references I was like word of mouth is really good it is yeah I feel like mm-hmm. word of mouth is sometimes even better than like social media yeah promotion oh, yeah. 100% I think most of my work has been I mean it's also the summer and things are opening up that I am getting a lot more inquiries now Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's like I definitely give like a dis like a discounted rate to people and it was like yeah so if you refer me it's only this much nice Um, yeah and then like a longer term stay it's like okay we can like talk about it but um, yeah I think I'm going to be watching someone's dog who they're going to Europe and then in July I'm supposed to like watch somebody's cat who's going to like Korea so it's like whoa okay oh wow yeah yeah because there's i was telling my roommate this it's like there's some dogs who are like cat like behaviors and there's cats who are like dogs who like Mm -hmm. need the yeah i mean cam is definitely like a dog like just oh a hundred percent yeah cam's definitely one of those dogs but the um the cat that i'm gonna watch is kind of like a dog like needs like wants to cuddle and needs a person there and it's like yeah okay um but also easier so like cats are very would you would you say you're like more of a cat person or a dog person or I'm more of a dog person 100 percent yeah uh same yeah I don't well cats I never know like my approach with all animals is like I let them come to me but cats especially like I'm not even gonna get in your zone just in case you're annoyed yeah um that's really great that you remembered me I was like yay <laughs> yeah I was telling everybody that they're like wow nice it's like yeah nice I feel really official now I'll transition to the last question then we'll wrap up but the last question I always like to ask is is there anything you'd like to hear from other adoptees or others who adoption has become part of their life do you mean in terms of like advice or like just conversation or just like experiences in general any any of the above or all of the above um hmm let me take a second to think about this yeah um I think for me like the thing that I had the most trouble with growing up and this is something that I find really interesting to talk about with other adoptees like specifically Chinese adoptees who were adopted by white parents is how they kind of like grappled with, you know, like growing up in like predominantly like white environments Mm. and then, you know, going out into the world and obviously being treated like a minority Mm -hmm. Um, and just kind of how they you know, came to understand that, you know, racism is real and it exists. Um, Because I don't know, like, I never, like, thought of myself as white. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was raised by two white parents in a predominantly, like, white neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the majority of my parents' friends were white. Um, I definitely grew up in 
very much like surrounded by white people. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I guess, like I was saying, like in middle school, like realizing that, you know, I wasn't white enough to actually fit in with the popular mm-hmm. kids. I think that was like a very like jarring experience for me. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think that that whole experience was just definitely something that like left a big impact on me. And it's something that uh, I think is like a common thread among mm-hmm. Chinese adoptees uh, adopted by white parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Cause I, I don't know if there's like a particular moment where we all just become more self-aware. Yeah. We all like start to think it's like, Oh, I am actually a minority. Um, I feel like my way of dealing with that was like, let me move to a place where there's a lot of people that look like me and it's not as much of a concern. I think that's helped personally for me. It was like, I was like, I actively chose New York City because it's like, there's definitely more Chinese people and like all types of different people who their look and everything than where I was. And I just never wanted to like stay so close to home and where I grew up. So I was like, that's how I dealt with that. But yeah, it's pretty. And I don't know if it's also just like social media and technology keeps developing that it's like even more prevalent, the awareness of like, there's a difference between everybody, I guess, versus like when we were younger, it didn't seem as much. As, as yeah. 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 I'm honestly, I'm so glad I didn't grow up with like Instagram and TikTok and stuff oh, like gosh, that. Same. Cause I mean, even now it's like, it gives me anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Um, even yeah. now, like as an adult, like I have to check myself because I'm like, okay, it's like looking at this making me feel good or bad about myself. And I feel yeah. like if I had been in middle school and high school, like constantly um, consuming that type of content, it would have been a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like we're already dealing with our self-image issues right. and stuff without it and now that it's like so it's just so immediate it's like I just yeah um which is crazy because it's like the performing arts high school is somewhere where like I model at so and it's I and I'm just thinking it's like wow in high school I don't think we had phones but also these are all art students and they're like drawing they're usually drawing nude figures I'm like I'm like one of like five who come through Mm-hmm. But I'm just kind of like intrigued, like what's going through their heads? Like you're an artist, you have access to all the social media, but then you're like drawing this like naked person. What's what's going through your heads? I just I always wonder these yeah. things. Um, versus when we were in high school, it's like we didn't even. I don't think we. Well, my high school did not have nude models, but most high schools probably don't. I think my high school did, but that oh. was definitely that was definitely like a rare thing. Okay. Um. I mean, yeah, all the kids had to like get permission slips and stuff signed, but other than that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was ending on the naked people note. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> so ending on naked people, uh, it was just really cool to be able to like sit down. It's like so. I have all these questions. I just wanted to ask. Yeah, thank you so uh, much. I I really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, again, I'm so glad I I messaged you about watching cam because you have yeah. to be on the podcast and hopefully yeah. you'll get to continue uh i'll like continue hitting you up to oh, watch yeah, my dog definitely. and yeah oh yeah so much fun with cam i definitely enjoyed um his personality it was really fun <laughs> yeah he's a he's a weird dude <laughs> i know he's probably like just chilling but i was like oh it'd be so cool to do a screenshot with him but he might be like oh i can go get him if you want yeah, let's do it. Okay, one second. Yeah. Oh my goodness, there he is. He's probably like, he's like, why did you take me from yeah. my sleep? Look. He's like, what's happening, Cam? I'm sure we'll talk again. Yes. And I hope you're able to like connect with other adoptees if you'd like to. Oh, would you like to share your Instagram? Because um, some people sure. like reach out to you. So wh- how do you spell it all? Yes. So my Instagram handle is pretty long. It is at Polly by Alex for Alexandra Polly. 
and you spell Polly P-A-U-L-Y. Cool. <laughs> so if anybody wants to reach out or has questions like I did about fashion in New York City and beauty products and skincare, you got somebody you can ask now. <laughs> yes. Feel free to send me all the skincare questions. Bye for now. And thank you for listening to ABC. If you would like to share your story or know anybody else would like to share their story about the Chinese adoption, please contact adoptedbabiesfromchina at gmail.com or adoptedbabiesfromchinapod on Facebook, Instagram, on Twitter, I forget. All those fun stuff. Bye. Thank you.